0: Hello, welcome to Idioms and Idiots. My name is Justin. With me I have Ryan. Hello. And Preston. What's up, guys? Today we're talking about death. Hey guys, what would Abraham Lincoln be doing right now if he were alive? Scratching the top of his coffin. (laughs) (laughs) Right. The word of the day today is macabre, grim, ghastly, having to do with death. Fitting. I'm unfamiliar with this word. It's alternatively pronounced... (laughs) Macabre. <laughs> ah, I see. <laughs> <laughs> if you've only seen it written, then it, it's yeah, it's pronounced macabre. Spelled M-A-C-A-B-R-E. I see.
1: I like the R-E at the end. Words that end like that, they, they seem kind of classy, like theater or theatra. So you, you suffer from the notion
0: that words we have borrowed from French are classier. Pretty much, yeah. I, yeah, me too. Classy just means annoying, then I agree start out we're going to recap from last week ryan's going to explain to us the origin of head over heels so i had always thought that this was based on like someone tripping you know they trip and they fall heels over head. wait i've been thinking of this wrong the whole time <laughs> this occurred to me just this week head over heels is the right way round right and your head should
1: be over your heels <laughs> that's exactly my thoughts on this one too so where does this come from ryan all right so it actually originally was heels overhead because that makes sense. Okay. Over time it eventually got switched around. An early example of it was from a book in 1771 called The Contemplative Man. Its usage was he gave him such a violent involuntary kick in the face as drove him head over heels. You know, I took this to mean that originally it was heels overhead. It was so violent that the term actually got swapped. <laughs> so kind of like Gotcha. Kind of like we say bass backwards. You can kind of flip a phrase. To, okay, yeah, as a, a superlative
0: bit. almost.
1: It's spoonerism, almost. Almost.
0: On to idiom number one, dead as a doornail. Dead as a doornail means totally or assuredly dead, also finished. Any ideas, guys, where this comes from?
2: Yeah, I'll go first. So I think dead as a doornail comes from the idea that just a doornail is just really dead. Like, if you talk about wood, it originally came from a tree, even if it is completely dead. But a doornail, it's been chiseled out of rock, it's been melted with fire, it's been hammered into shape with a hammer. It's about as dead as any
1: inanimate object gets, so that is a doornail. No, no spiritual life whatsoever in it. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so my guess would be from the early 1900s, during the whole spiritualism movement, when people used to have seances and everything, spiritualists believe that, well... Spiritualists led people to believe that spirits inhabited everything. And that was part of a seance that you could bring something in of your great dead auntie and it would be imbued, imbued with part of her spirit and you could pull it out of there. And it, there was a prominent businessman by the name of Ansel Zebedee who was a very outspoken critic of the spiritualist movement. And he publicly criticized the spiritualists as frauds. And he owned a very large company making fasteners. And he was actually the biggest manufacturer of doornails in the United States. So because of that... The spiritualist union all got together and they said, everything on this earth is embodied with a spirit except doornails. They are unholy and cannot contain any spirit, so they are 100% dead as a kind of a little middle finger to Zebedee is all of that made up
0: <laughs> Hansel Zebedee sounds like a made-up name <laughs> you want to know their cam- one, one criticism of our podcast is that it's impossible to tell when you are making stuff up and when not wait, wait, wait I got more I got more bs <laughs> so wait. the spiritual movement is real I'm going to draw the line as Han- at Hansel Zebedee
1: <laughs> you want to hear the from campaign there on slogan? it's bs do you want to hear the campaign slogan <laughs> live as a table dead as a doornail <laughs> they kept dead as a doornail because of an alliteration. All right, now you can tell people it was fake.
0: Yes, all of that was fake. <laughs> so when I hear dead as a doornail, I think of the opening lines from A Christmas Carol by Dickens in which it is said, Marley was dead as a doornail, referring to Scrooge's partner. However, the idiom dead as a doornail was already 450 years old when Dickens used it 150 years ago. <laughs> this Ooh. idiom's over 600 years old. Wow. And so the origins are hard to know. It's hard to know why earlier English speakers thought doornails were particularly dead compared to other inanimate objects. There are a couple of theories though. One is that door knockers would actually knock on a nail. And so the doornail was constantly being beaten on the head. So it was very dead. <laughs> Another uh, thought is that because doors were made by just planks, That most nails were long enough to reach through all the planks Mm -hmm. and then they would be bent over so that they would be more secure. The tips would be bent over once they had gone through the planks. Mm -hmm. And that way, those nails were dead because they could no longer be used and they were really hard to get out. Right. So so compared to other nails, they were particularly unreusable.
1: You were destroying its use.
0: Dead in terms of usefulness. Yeah. Yeah. But the truth is no one knows. Those are just speculations. The first use was in like the 1360s in the Piers Plowman by William Langdon. On to our first segment. We're going to do a Mad Lib using death euphemisms and famous last words. I'm so looking forward to this dude. <laughs> this is going to be pretty good. I I have high hopes for it at least. For the death euphemisms, I want you guys to look at the Wikipedia page for idiom so that you can see all the different Death euphemisms in different languages. And you can pick from them or you can pick ones that you like. Let's get started. I need a scary animal. Komodo dragon. I need another scary animal. Whirl. Squirrel. Okay, I need a brave adverb. Heroic? Her- heroically? Heroically, yes. All right, and I need five death euphemisms.
2: What do you got? All right, this is a French one eating dandelions by the roots.
1: Okay. And uh, I'll choose one from Afrikaans. Push the spoon through the roof. Here's one from Lanian. Went to whistle to the crabs. A mobster euphemism. (laughs) He's whistling with the crabs now. Yeah, it does. All right. Another one. All right. I'm going to do another spoon one. This one is finish. Toss the spoon to the corner. All right. Last one. This is one I made up. Divide by zero. (laughs) You
0: divided by zero. All right. I need an exclamation. Doinks. All right. I I need three famous last words. YOLO. Here, kitty, kitty. You're filming this, right? Okay, perfect. I need an idiom meaning lots or a lot. Whole kit and caboodle. All right, I need a landform. An atoll. We pick a different landform, actually.
1: Yeah. Mars like, topography. What a fjord. Is that? I mean, it's a waterfall.
0: Yeah. That, well, that would work better. How about
1: glacier? Or a volcano? For a volcano. Let me guess. That doesn't work as a landform. A no, waterfall of fire.
0: Vo- volcano, <laughs> glacier. Those are both good. Just pick one. Volcano. Volcano, volcano. Is better. Okay. All right. I need a locomotive verb. So, like, locomote. Chugging. Or... No. Chug... Chugging along. Just <laughs> chugging along. No, not one, like, relating to locomotives. <laughs> like, meander or saunter or... Well, you can chug along. Chug over yeah. to the... All right, fine. He chugged over to the volcano. <laughs> I need another locomotive verb. A shuffle. I need an idiom that means to murder. Get fitted for cement shoes. Okay. I need a murder weapon. A pool noodle. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure if that would be a good way to go or a terrible way to go. (laughs) Okay, I need four names, two male, two female. Butch. Charlie. Zelda. Cleopatra. I need rooms in, like, a big mansion, five of them. Conservatory. Water closet. Parlor. Observatory. Secret passageway. I need a scary adjective. Hey. Fangorious. Fangorious is not a real word, but I'll <laughs> give it to you anyway. I need another scary adjective. Phantasmagoric. I need a third scary adjective. Fluffy. All right, last one. I need a scary thing. Spoon. <laughs> I didn't expect this to be as spoon themed as it's going to be. Okay, I gotta put this together. Computing. All right, mad lives ready. You ready for this? Let's do it. It was a dark and stormy night when Butch's car broke down on the side of that lonely old road. We had no choice but to ask for help at the big, fangorious, phantasmagoric house that stood on the nearby hill. The handle on the door was a spoon, and it was at that point I knew we were all going to be eating dandelions by the roots. The door was unlocked, and since it was raining the whole kit and caboodle, we went on in. The house appeared to be empty, so naturally the five of us split up to heroically explore it. Charlie, who had gone into the conservatory, was the first to push the spoon through the roof. I heard him scream, YOLO! before he went to whistle to the crabs. <laughs> Zelda heard him too from the water closet and started running for the front door, but she tossed her spoon to the corner before she could reach it. I even saw it happen. A fluffy arm appeared out of nowhere and hit her in the head with a pool noodle as she was running down the hall. Her last words were, Here, kitty, kitty. <laughs> I ducked back into the parlor and glanced across to the observatory. Zoinks! Cleopatra had already divided by zero! I stifled a yell and shut the door. I chugged along to the window and climbed out. Slowly, I lowered myself down to the window that looked into the secret passageway. I peered in just in time to see Butch being fitted with cement shoes by a ghost Komodo dragon squirrel hybrid as he shouted, You're (laughs) filming this, right? I shuffled away from the house into the volcano and never looked back.
1: (laughs) Very nice. Very nice Mad Lib. Idiom number two.
0: Pick the bucket slang term meaning to die.
1: Where do you guys think this comes from? Okay, so I've got my guess. Back in the uh, early 1900s, there was a there was a radio comedy called Fibber McGee and Molly. That is real. So uh, another show came out called Liar Larry and Lucy, and that show popularized the, fr- the phrase, kick the bucket, to mean death. There was a Fibber McGee and Molly founded called the Exploding Closet, where you know someone on the show would say, "Oh, don't go in there, Fibber," and you hear the door open and then all a bunch of stuff clatters on him because he opened up the closet full of junk. Well, liar Larry and Lucy had their own version of this, where Larry would trip over a bucket and then you hear him go, "Whoa, whoa," followed by like thirty seconds of sound effects of someone in comedic death throes, and then he died. And it was every episode he would die. He was like the Kenny from South Park, where he just dies every episode. Next episode, no one really mentions it anymore. So anyway, he always kicked a bucket before the 30 seconds of hilarious death noises. So the promos were, how's Larry going to kick the bucket tonight? Tune in and find out. Again, I just don't know what of that you're making up. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. Remember McGee and Molly is real. And the exploding closet is real. Okay,
2: Yeah. My origin is a little less complex. I imagined a couple of college students who share a house, and one of them's just kind of a, a wannabe chemist. And so one day he decides he's going to create nitroglycerin, and you got to keep it real cold and kind of steady and keep it from exploding. <laughs> so he's got a bunch of dry ice in a bucket. I see where and you're going with this. Just, he, and he realizes he needs something else. And so as he runs out of the door, he yells to his roommates, Mind the bucket! And then he comes home
0: to... A crater and goes oh they kicked the bucket <laughs> someone kicked the bucket the real origin of kick the bucket is again not known it's pretty old it's thought maybe that it came comes from someone committing suicide they would like stand on a bucket and hang, oh, themselves, hang themselves and then yeah. kick the bucket out from underneath them there was also a catholic tradition of placing a small bucket of holy water at the feet of someone on their deathbed Sprinkle them with holy water. Oh, okay. And someone alleged that the feet being associated with a bucket at the end of life is the origin of kick the bucket. I, I don't, I don't buy that one. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Uh, there's, there's one that's pretty good. Another one that's a n- little more iffy is that it would come from a goat kicking the bucket of milk after it had been milked, as a bad thing that ghosts would do. And I don't know, maybe you'd kill that goat if it did it enough times. Anyway, the the most likely origin appears to be from a different term for bucket. There's a different definition for bucket that applies to a certain type of beam. And specifically, butchers would hang animals from a beam that was called a bucket. And their feet would be kicking the bucket after they were dead. Okay. But that bucket was the beam from which they were hung by the butcher.
1: Oh, so it wasn't like a bucket that you held stuff in. It was a bucket you hung stuff from. from. Yep.
0: Mm -hmm. On to our next segment, one sentence horror stories. I, I got this idea from the short story Knock, written by Friedrich Brown. And it goes like this Imagine all the humans being swept off the face of the earth except one man. Imagine this man in some vast city, Tripoli or Paris. Imagine him on the third or fourth day of his solitude sitting in a house and hearing a ring at the doorbell.
1: Dun,
2: dun, dun,
0: dun. <laughs> dun, 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 dun.
1: <laughs> exactly. All right, so you want mine? Yeah. Okay. As she stared at the axe-wielding accountant, Sharon thought to herself, Didn't I eat this person last week? <laughs> <laughs> Preston's having a hard time dealing with that. <laughs> so many levels have messed up in that. <laughs> Mine's
2: really short. In fact, it's three words. Let's hear it. They're just games. <laughs>
1: uh Yeah, one, Can you two. elaborate on that? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. Of course not.
0: <laughs> Idiom number three 86th or 86. It's slang for getting rid of something, ejecting someone, refusing service, that sort of thing.
2: All right, I have a legitimate guess for this one.
0: Okay. So does Ryan.
2: Oh. Yep. Well, okay. So the Space shuttle Challenger in 1986. Disintegrated and killed all seven crew members. So the explosion in 86 was oh, shortened to 86.
1: I was wondering where you're going with that. I, okay. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Wrong, right. but interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so my guess comes from the ANSI device numbering system ANSI IEEE standard C37.2 2008. This is the numbering system for electrical devices. So, for example, 28 is a flame detector, 33 is a position switch. Well, 86 happens to be a lockout relay or a master trip. And so the master trip is designed to take down a whole system so that you cannot turn it back on until a physical reset button is pressed. So if you get 86 your entire system is down. I kind of hope this is right because I want to start using numbers for everything. (laughs) You heard it here. Ryan wants to talk only in numbers. (laughs) Darn straight. Yeah. So like if you knew where someone was or like you wanted to say when someone arrived. So Justin arrived at my house. I would instead say, Justin, 33 to my house. What was
0: 33? Position switch? Position switch,
1: yeah. I get it. It's a little bit of a pun as well on position switch. Yeah, Yeah. flame flame detector. Is that what you shout instead of fire? (laughs) 28! 28! Yeah, (laughs) you can't yell 28 in a crowded theater. (laughs) Number 18 is an accelerating or decelerating device. So you could use that to drive a car.
0: When would it be useful to not be specific about accelerating or (laughs) deaccelerating?
1: Well, I mean, you could say I'm going to go 18 a car.
0: Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: A multifunction device is a, uh, or a smartphone could be number 11, right?
0: Is that what you're going to use for just everything else?
1: Oh, sure. A Swiss Army knife? Yeah. hand <laughs> me that number 11. Oh, I like if this. If this
0: catches on, they'll probably have to change the ANSI standard so that it's not confusing with all of the colloquialisms
1: <laughs> you've been created. <laughs> yes. I'll make my mark on the ANSI standard. The other one is 45, which is an abnormal atmospheric condition monitor. So, right now, there are many 45 deniers out there.
0: I, I catch you.
1: I catch your drift. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Go ahead.
0: So, that is definitely a possibility. It could definitely come from the electoral term. Interestingly, there's also a naval term for parts designated for disposal. That was AT6. Oh. So, that code designated things for disposal. Phonetically, that's identical to 86, the number. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, but that is another... Possible origin for it. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are other suggestions too. No one's
1: sure. There was a bar on Eighty Six Bedford Street during Prohibition era. Oh no! Pretty much any idiom origin that starts in a bar, that's not a real one. <laughs> <laughs> that it's may fun. have been where that proposed origin was created, but <laughs> yeah,
2: probably not the end.
0: Yeah, and then there was a play called "Visit to a Small Planet." It was a comedy in like nineteen fifty-five that really popularized the term.
1: Oh. So that was like yeah. their mission. But my protocol. my guess is it
0: comes from either well, both the naval term mm-hmm. and the electrical term are real possibilities. Like those are real things, yeah. and I would guess it came from one or both of them.
1: I would assume the naval one is correct because probably been around longer than the ANSI standard for yeah, that might be Numbering
0: oh no, actually the standard numbers were given to electrical components in 1928. 20, holy moly! So that was pretty old. And then the the AT six term originated
1: in World War II. Oh, wow. Legitimate contender. Yep. Nicely done. All right. I'm like running on 50% truth in this episode. <laughs> now you're at 33%. Remember <laughs> <laughs> McGee and Molly was real? 40%. The rest of
0: your truth was just mixed in with your BS to make it more palatable. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: All right. For our next segment, we're going oh, to...
1: Hey, uh, hang on a sec. I I got to go uh, drop the kids off at the pool. Okay, uh, I'll be right back. All right. That's fine.
0: All right, let's look through his stuff. Well, what was that? Hmm, yeah, what do we have here?
2: It looks like a magic lamp. I think there's, there's a that? genie inside? Yeah.
0: I wonder if we could get infinite wishes. I've always wanted to try this. Yeah, I think we could work this out. All right, let's roll let's the Let's
3: sum lamp. it. Who oh, dares to the summon the great genie of Miori? We, we wish, wish for infinite, infinite wishes!
2: wishes.
3: Uh, no. I wish to be able to wish for more wishes. No, it's the same thing. Uh, Seem like the same thing to me.
0: Okay, I wish to be omnipotent. No,
3: because then you just fulfill your own wishes whenever you'd like. Exactly. It'd be like having unlimited wishes but without the requisite hidden curse attached.
0: Ah, uh, hidden curse? Yeah. It's... I wish that I get a wish for everyone that ever dies.
3: No, again, it's creating more wishes. Now, if everyone in existence rubs the lamp and you wish them dead before they get a chance to use their wishes, Sure, you could earn their wishes back to you at a rate. Of- oh, oh, I wish that you do that. Do you oh, really? really want to be responsible for killing off the human race just so you can get more wishes? You know how many people that is? You just... Well, I'd use one of the wishes
0: to wish them all back. I can't do that.
2: Can I wish for another
3: genie? No, he's just going to tell you the same thing I'm I
2: telling. mean an additional genie, so I can, like, ask for three more wishes with him. It's like, rate of return, like, three to one.
3: That's a nice try, but thing is, genies are kind of like universes. Uh, we can't be created or destroyed, we just exist. We always have, we always will, there's no creation or destruction.
2: Then how do you grant wishes out of nothing?
3: Uh, typically transfer of energy and matter. So we usually take dark matter because no one really cares that it's gone. And normally we end up transmuting it into something like gold. Yep, gold rocket boots. Alright, who the hell asked for gold rocket boots? I'll tell you who. Franklin Jennings from Des Moines, Iowa, that's who. Do you know why you've never heard of Franklin Jennings and his fantastic rocket boots? Yeah, I'll tell you why. Because rockets melt gold, that's why.
2: Ah, I see. Hidden curse. Yeah,
3: hidden curse. Oh, by the way, if you want to earn some extra cash, there's a blob of gold in a cornfield just outside of Ankeny. It's about two pounds worth. I'll text you the coordinates. Oh, time. cool. All
0: right, I wish that you put me in a parallel universe where genies can grant more wishes.
3: Were you even listening to anything I said?
0: Uh, not really. I kind of glazed over there for a bit.
2: Hey, Genie, mind if my brother and I conference real quick? Uh, yeah, sure. I think I got it figured out. The problem is we just don't know how to get around him.
0: Yeah, there's got to be a loophole somewhere.
2: So maybe if I just wish to know everything, then I'll know the loophole.
0: Yeah, that's perfect. Go for it. Okay. Genie, I wish to
2: be omniscient. Huh. Um,
3: I've done that before. Uh, let me think. Mm, yeah. Sure, why not? Here it goes. Whoa, I know everything. <laughs> ah, what happened to his uh, head? It got all dude. over me. Dude, I'm really sorry uh, about that. Wow, Oh. Uh, dude, I'm all powerful, not all-knowing. I had no
0: idea uh, he was. Yeah, it sounds like Ryan's coming back here. Oh,
3: shit, he is. You're right. Um, tell you what, use up a wish. I'll clean no, it up you, for this you. one's on you, man. Oh, jeez, yeah. All right, fine. Just, just, I'll clean it up. Just put me in the bag. Don't let Ryan know I was here, okay? All
0: right, yeah, deal, deal. Do it.
1: <laughs> hey Ryan, how was your uh, poop? Fun. What's uh what's going on? Smell like bleach in here. Nope. Okay. Not at all. Where where Preston go?
0: Spain. Yeah, Spain actually. Really?
1: Why
0: why didn't he mention anything? Uh, he just got witness protection straight over there. Aw,
1: oh, you didn't yeah. even say bye. Yeah. Sorry about that. Well, we just gotta keep cracking though. Okay. Well um i guess we'll move on to the next segment all
0: right idiot number four dead in the water if something is dead in the water it isn't going anywhere or making any progress so what do you guys think the origin uh ryan just me
1: what do you think the origin is i think this is an excuse mobsters in the 1950s would use if they got caught transporting a dead body to a dump site and this is cuz maritime law is kind of weird and cryptic and there's all this misinformation about what's legal and illegal on a boat in the ocean. I don't know if if you're aware of this but in the 80s and 90s like a sitcom trope was that two friends would be out on a cruise ship and they would do like a fake wedding as part of a Halloween thing and it turns out according to maritime law if a captain says you're married on the ocean then oh, you're legally married. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've you heard know, that. stuff like that. that trope. So there was some misinformation that if someone was murdered on the ocean, then the land police couldn't investigate it. If the mobsters were carrying a dead body to the dump site and a cop pulled him over, they would just be like, ah, he's dead in the water, you know, thinking that <laughs> oh. thinking that they, they couldn't, then they wouldn't be allowed to investigate because no, he just... died on the water. Regardless of whether he did or not, you know, that was just what they said. Okay. Yep. Maritime law.
0: Okay. It appears to have originated as a naval term for a crippled ship
1: or one that's
0: becalmed, which makes sense to me because this idiom, despite literally meaning dead in the water, typically to me doesn't actually mean death. Mm -hmm. Like when I hear this term used, it usually means like we're in trouble.
1: Yeah. We're stuck.
0: Yeah. And so that makes sense
1: with a crippled ship or
0: becalmed ship. I think of this analogous to a sitting duck. Oh, yeah. I think that's a, it's a very similar idiom.
1: Kind of defenseless and yeah, kind of but not literally floating dead. out there. Yeah. yeah. Vulnerable and defenseless and you can't move. And... Right.
0: Okay, our next segment is etymology
1: and entomology. Enlighten me on bugs and words.
0: We're going to use the broader definition of etymology to include anthropods because we play fast and loose <laughs> with our rules here. <laughs> Yeah, the arachnid we will be learning about today is the giant huntsman spider. It is considered the largest species of spider based on the diameter of the legs. I don't
1: know if I can do this segment.
0: Uh, it was discovered in 2001 in a cave in Laos, and their leg span can reach up to 12 inches. Um, and they actively hunt down their prey. Like, they don't do traps. Oh, no. They actually, like, chase them down and eat them.
1: The one behind me isn't there. <laughs> Oh, it's on your shoulder. <laughs> Are they, have they reached the U.S.? No. Good. What countries am I never going to travel to? Laos. Oh, that's it?
0: Yeah. I don't think a whole lot's known about it, but it was discovered recently in a cave in Laos.
1: Oh, cool. I don't plan on going there. Okay. All right. I feel better. You're safe.
0: I can sleep at night. And for etymology today, we will look into the term jack-o'-lantern or Halloween thing. Mm-hmm. It has the same origin as Willow the Wisps.
1: I'm not familiar with this.
0: Okay, so Will O' the Wisp is an atmospheric ghost light seen by travelers at night. And there's legends and stuff surrounding what they actually are. Oh. And Wisp meant like a wisp of flame. And so Will O' the Wisps mm-hmm. is name blank flame in the same
1: pace as Jack O' the Lantern. Oh, okay. So it's not Will O' the Wisps, it's Will O' the Wisps.
0: Will of the Wisp, yeah. Jack of the Lantern. Okay. These were names given to ghost lights.
1: Oh, okay. So UF the O would be a modern equivalent of that. <laughs> <laughs> the attempted scientific explanation for what people were actually seeing was methane gas catching fire oh. in bogs. I could see that being pretty terrifying. Yeah. I would definitely want to give it a name. I don't know. It humanizes it more, Makes it a little brings, yeah. it, brings it down to your level. Not as much superstition involved. You give it a name, you give it vulnerabilities, you think, you know, oh.
0: Oh, it's just Willow the Wis. Yeah.
1: Oh it's, oh, it's Jack. He's cool.
0: Close out this episode, I give you idiom number five. Scared straight to frighten someone to such a degree that a significant improvement in behavior results. You can tweet us your proposed origins at idioms idiots, or you can follow us on Facebook. Also, you can tell us what you think your last words
1: will be or what you'd like them to be. Pretty sure my last words are going to be, man, this tastes great. See, you just scrape off the mold and it's fine. Hey, hey, Genie. Yes? I'll take those cold rocket boots.